Happy Monday, everybody. What is going on? Time for another podcast. I hope that your morning or whatever commute it is on Monday or Tuesday, I hope you're having a good one so far. Hopefully no crazy traffic or anything like that. Um, Because that's where we're going to start off this intro is my streak has ended. My lifelong streak of not a single speeding ticket up until today. I'm filming this on Friday, but up until today, January, what is it? 14th, 2022. I had a completely clean, spotless, picture perfect driving abstract. So back when I was uh, trying to get on a fire department, they'd have you hand in your driver's abstract, uh, like your driving record pretty much to see how often you've been speeding, if you got any accidents or anything worse. And I always cracked up because every time I would go, because you can't just mass print one, they make you get an authentic one from the DMV because why make it easy? Every time I would go, I'd get a weird look from the lady because she'd be like, I don't know if this is right. And I'm like, no, it is. It's blank. I know I'm that good. No, I've just been that lucky. But unfortunately, it has come to an end. I went 29 years of existence without a speeding ticket. (sighs) But And for those of you saying you've only been driving since like 16, 17, I go at it with like the famous like, alcoholic saying, I was sober for 11 years. Then I turned 12. Okay. It still counts. I mean, you're technically not wrong. I was spotless for 29 years. So what if 16 of those, I wasn't driving, it still counts. But anyway, I, I almost made it to 30. What here we are. (laughs) Guy was super nice though. Um, cause when it comes to dealing with officers of the law always always treat them with respect because there's no nobody has ever said oh i shit talked to cop and i got my way out of it so always leading with respect i've gotten out i've gotten pulled over once or twice and always gotten a warning but yeah um i have family that are police officers and they per- and I have friends that are police officers, and for the most part, they like if anybody doesn't have friends or family that are in it, at least my friends and family pretty much tell me if you come at the situation with a little bit of respect and understand that they have a job to do, more times than not, they'll take it down and like give you like the minimum or let you off with a warning or something like that. But if you flip that and you come at it like, what the hell did I do, man? Why are you pulling me over? I'm late. Blah, blah. They're going to probably give you a hard time and make your life a little harder because you're being a douche. <laughs> but right or wrong, that's what's worked for me for 29 years. So take it or leave it. That's my little tidbit of advice is yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Always to start it off unless they're a lady of the law and they hear ma'am and they're like, what'd you call me? (laughs) Because for some reason, ma'am does not go over well (laughs) for certain people. It used to be respectful, but I guess not. Now it just makes people feel old. Um, But anyway, that's my story. That's the start to my Friday before training people in person. Other than that, everybody in person clients were killing it today. It's like a Friday vibe. People just are in such a better mood. 
their bodies show that they're responding well to that better mood and weights were going up easy, a lot of smiles, a lot of fun. So couldn't ask for a better day, even with that little speed bump to start. See what I did there? Speed bump, traffic humor, but um, okay. <laughs> On to the shows, movies, books, recommendations, and reviews. I started, I can't say I finished because this is like a, it, it's a hard one to get through is Eternals by um, Marvel. Like it's the next thing up in the Marvel uh, universe that has just hit the streaming services and DVD and all that. Um, I just, I can't get around the fact that it feels like a DC movie for anybody that's into superhero movies and stuff like that. If you're not, you can just skip ahead five minutes because I'm about to go on a rant. But um, when it comes to these movies, like the reason that so many people love Marvel or any science fiction or fantasy for that matter, they like it because of they can find elements that they relate to. So like for Spider-Man, it's like, oh, he was normal, just a normal kid. And then he got bitten and all of a sudden he's got this power, but he still got the mindset of a normal kid. Iron Man was just a rich douche who was really smart and got humbled real fast. <laughs> um, and like Captain America was normal. Like they all started off normal. And now we got Eternals, which these guys are and ladies, they are timeless. Like they've never died. They're eat, they're immortal. <laughs> and it's kind of hard to like sympathize or kind of relate to a character that like has a, an ability like that. Like they've been around forever. So they're super wise because they've seen everything and they've just witnessed human history and done bare minimum. Like who can relate to that? And it's just big and over the top and like supernatural. Like it, it's just, it's a DC vibe. Like it's like Superman or like stuff like that, where you just have nothing to relate to really. So you can't really like, you hope that you have elements of their character and everything, but yeah, it's just, it's not the same. On the other hand, we got Bubba Fett, which I'm keeping up with every Wednesday it's coming out. So if you guys haven't started yet, I highly, highly recommend it. If you are a star Wars fan, um, yeah, it's just so good. It's like the Mandalorian. I would put them pretty dead even as far as like my excitement for the whole thing. Because like I said last in the last podcast before the one with Dr. Tchaikovsky, um, that that other one, it is just starting off so hot. Even this past one, like not going to spoil anything. It's a little slower than the other ones, but there's still action. It's freaking awesome. Um, oh, I got to completely forgot to put my focus on for any of you that have not done the focus on the app or on your iPhones. It's a lifesaver. I mean, especially for somebody like me that gets super distracted. My dad just texted me. So I had to put it on real quick, but Bubba Fett is, yeah, it's just so good. I love the fact that they're bringing in like a mix of what was in the old movies, like as far back as like the originals, like when, like there's members of Bubba Fett, of not Bubba Fett, um, oh, what's his name? Jesus. Oh, what is his name? I am really spacing here and it's pissing me off. Let me look it up real quick. 
Job of the Hut. See, that's what happens. I didn't even look it up. And I'm like, oh, I'll give my brain a break. Check it out. No, Job of the Hut. They brought guys from his crew into the into the new series, which is awesome. It's like a throwback, but they're also introducing new characters, which is pretty damn cool, like the biker gang and everything, unless I just missed it in the old movies, but really, really cool. So couldn't recommend it more. Get on that Bubba Fett train. And yeah, and I think since the last time that I spoke, yeah, so since my girlfriend's family came to town, so yeah. Sorry, that's it for the TVs and stuff. More of a personal note. My girlfriend's family came to town, mom, dad, and brother, and had a blast. Um, And for anybody on Instagram that caught me and my girlfriend's hot wing or spicy wing challenge, like when she got me the five sauces from Hot Ones, that was a blast and it was like painful, but fun, painful. And naturally I had to make her dad and her brother try all the sauces with me. So if you guys don't know what hot ones is, if you're watching on YouTube, you can look it up right now. One of the best things out there on YouTube, hot ones, H O T O N E S. And it's just an interview, but they make the guests eat hotter and hotter and hotter wings. And we got the hottest sauce. That was rough. So to give you some perspective, um, what's we'll say Frank's Red Hot. Frank's Red Hot, the Scoville score is 450. So Scoville unit is like a measurement of heat, like how hot or spicy something is. And Frank's Red Hot is about 450. The last dab sauce is 2 million Scoville units. And yeah, so if you have a tough time with Frank's, <laughs> then I highly recommend not, not trying that um, Frank's, or sorry, the uh, last dab that, I mean, I'm okay with spicy food, but damn, that was another level. Um, but if you do like spicy, they got some really, that was the overarching theme is no matter how spicy it was, you got that brief five to 10 seconds of holy crap this is delicious (laughs) um yeah it it just so good so good but so hot (laughs) i almost forgot i started a new book which i also highly recommend because i'm only like a chapter or two in and i'm finding it super duper helpful um i wish i found it years ago because it would have helped a lot at like working at any of my former jobs It's called Crucial Conversations by Carrie Patterson, Joseph Granny, Rob McMillan, and Al Switzler. And it's all about how to handle tough conversations or like controversy, or not controversy, but like just like stuff that you butt heads about, like whether it be with your spouse or in a work environment, like if you have a differing opinion or somebody's not doing their job, like ways to go about it and the mentality behind it all. And even now as a coach, like talking with clients and trying to understand where they're coming from, it makes a huge, huge difference. And I can already tell it's so great. Like to give you like a little taste of what it is, what it's like, the most recent chapter that I was on talks about like when you're, um, or actually, no, this was from Game Changer. Sorry, this was from Game Changer by John Berardi. And he quoted one of the concepts in the book that made a huge difference for him. And it was, what it was is when 
he was in an argument with somebody or like they had to have that tough conversation instead of like doing the typical thing where like you assume that somebody's doing something for some reason in your head and you're just trying to prove that you know that that's why they're doing it you come at it with questions like you ask like instead of saying like i know you're doing this because you're trying to get out of here early or you're trying to like do this or that ask them or like say that like it feels like that's what's going on instead of saying that's exactly what it is and always having that thought in the back of your head of what do i want out of this conversation because i know like at least with me and my girlfriend when we get in arguments sometimes i have to catch myself because we'll just start venting at each other and that never anybody that's in a relationship like married whatever you know that's never going to end well when you just start airing out the laundry and you just start like throwing low blows or like saying shit that you know is going to get under their skin like having that thought in the back of your head like what am i trying to achieve here what do i want out of this conversation really helps to catch yourself when you're about to go off the deep end and just unload and like make yourself feel better and make them feel like shit which then makes you feel like shit so it yeah very interesting book i can't wait to keep going it's just uh so good i know it's only going to be better and better as the chapters go on uh yeah so again crucial crucial conversations and i'll link that in the show notes if anybody else wants to get the audio book and listen to it right after my podcast <laughs> so let's dive right in today's topic is the best way to burn belly fat part one I know I've done this in the past and I've done my best to elaborate, but it's such a loaded topic. And like when you break it down, it simply is working out hard enough to maintain or gain muscle and eating the right amount of calories that will result in fat loss. And that's pretty much it. But that's like going to the doctor and they say, all right, you just need to eat less and move more. Gee, thanks. <laughs> like that doesn't solve anything. There's no habits there. There's no practical applications. So that's what this series is going to be about. We got three parts. The first part, it, and this is all based on my system that I use for clients. So feel free to just copy it and use it. Or if you want like the real deal and all the updates and everything like that could work with me. Either way, this is how it is done. So the first thing to do this first phase like i usually do somewhere around six to eight weeks is establishing nutritional awareness and what i mean by that is getting those hunger signals hunger signals hunger signals under control that crucial conversations tongue twister really got me messed up um but yeah to get the hunger signals under control and there's a number of ways to do that and I just kind of pick my favorites that I think are the most bang for your buck. So one of the, the number one thing to get under control is sleep because sleep is the guiding factor when it comes to how much energy you can put into your workouts, how much energy you can put into doing other stuff throughout the day, like walking the stairs instead of the elevator, but, and like little tiny things like that, or tapping your foot at the desk or blinking more. 
that little stuff adds up to a lot of calories. <laughs> um, and it also improve, like improves mood. It allows you to not feel as hungry. So back to the hunger signals and it just provides so much benefit. It's one of those big rocks that once you get that figured out, it makes the whole process so much easier. So if you want to do nothing else and change nothing about your life, but possibly lose weight, try getting seven to nine hours of quality sleep. And I have like a, a sleep checklist that I am going to send out to clients. I finally put it down on paper. I'm going to send it out to clients. I put it in the free Facebook group, but all stuff that can help improve quantity and quality because Sometimes people are really good at getting their seven to nine hours, but then they, they, when you talk more, it's like, well, I woke up like three times, like even after my seven to nine hours, I feel like crap and all this other stuff. And when you get into the nitty gritty and figure out what can get that sleep to be more like a higher quality, sometimes you don't even need as many hours, which works out great because then you get more hours in the day. Um, sorry, I'll circle back. <laughs> that's, that's why we prioritize sleep. So getting that sleep down and really setting the foundation. And then when it comes to the hunger signals, it's all about getting an idea of how much food is coming in and how your body feels based on that amount of calories. So one of the first things that we do is just track food. And when I say track food, like I have given out like maintenance calories to try and strive for. But honestly, that really doesn't give a good idea as far, like, especially if somebody hasn't been tracking yet, like if you've never tracked before, it can be extremely beneficial to just enter in your food and eat at will, like not eat as much as possible, but just eat what you normally would and see how many calories it is every single day. And then you take all those calories for the week, divide it by seven, and then you kind of have an idea of the average amount of calories you're eating daily. And then you see, what did your weight do? Did your weight go up? Did your weight go down? And then if you do that over like the course of like a month or six weeks or eight weeks, you get a really good idea of where your metabolism is at. It's like, oh, so I've averaged about 1500 calories. My weight has pretty much stayed the same. And yeah. So this is my maintenance. And then based on that, I mean, if something, if your maintenance is that low, then the next step is reverse diet. But if the next step, if you say are at 2000 calories and you want to jump into a fat loss phase, your body is ready. It's good to go. Um, assuming this is, uh, assuming that I'm talking to a female, like, under 200 pounds. If it was a dude, I'd say add 500 to that. So like if it was a guy and their maintenance was 2000 and they wanted to dip to 1500, I would not recommend that. I'd say we got to bump it up a little bit, but anyway, figuring out where your metabolism is at is the, is the goal in this section, this phase. And then, sorry, I lost my place there. Then we got to figure out the habits surrounding them. So a lot of people will eat like what they eat in these portion sizes that just don't make any sense because let me collect my thoughts here.
And another, yeah. And another thing to take into account is the habits that surround your eating, because based on how you eat, that'll dictate the quantity of how much you eat. We see it a lot with people like myself that are speed eaters or people when you watch television, when you eat or like all these habits that make it harder to feel, uh, to feel full. So establishing habits that help you kind of make that connection when you're, when you're eating to how full you're feeling are huge. It helps a lot, especially when you're on a diet, when you're not eating as much food, you want to make yourself feel as full as you possibly can with the food that you're allowed to eat. And that's phase two, but the phase one is where we set that foundation where you know what it should feel like. So doing things like filling yourself up to 80% full. So this is straight from the precision nutrition handbook. That guy, John Berardi that I mentioned earlier that wrote game changer. He also happened to co-found the I think it is, yeah, the world's biggest nutritional coaching service, Precision Nutrition, which is used by professional uh, professional sports organizations. Like every trainer that I know that's worth their salt has that certification. Um, and that's basically what where the habits come from, at least in my program. Uh, the one, the big one that helps a lot is this 80% full concept. So say you're at like a buffet or something, and you have the ability to eat as much as you can until your stomach is bursting. Okay. Let's say that satisfied equals full. So you're at that point where you're like, okay, that was good. I could probably go for another plate, but you want to stop shorter of that. Okay. So say like you fill your plate up and you you're good. And you're like, Naturally, I would go for a second helping and I could probably do a third if I'm really feeling like a pig stopping at that first plate and getting just enough where you can kind of feel out for the next 20, 30 minutes. If you're actually hungry or not, that's the sweet spot, because then you have an idea of if you need to eat more or if you should stop there, because if you can wait a full 20 minutes off of that one plate, your body's going to let you know, like that's plenty of time to let your stomach tell your brain, Hey, we're good down here. Or, Hey, we need a little bit more. And then in that case, you eat like a small plate of something, or like if you're going to overeat on something and you're really hungry, overeat on protein, you can't go wrong. Um, another, another habit that is implemented would be fork down in between bites. This one I just started using and it does work extremely well. It's exactly how it sounds. When you're eating, you take a bite, put the fork down, and then you chew away, do whatever you do, and then for the next bite, pick it up, go again. This also results in a lot more chewing, which is another great habit to get into, and that's just chewing to completion. There's some people that say like, oh, you got to get 30 or 50 bites in every single time. I've done that one and I'm not sold because you're literally just chewing mush after a certain point. It's like, all right, I get it. Like 19, 20, uh, got to do that for every single bite. It makes eating suck. <laughs> like I'm not a big fan of that one, but the fork down habit of putting it down, chewing and making sure that your food is soft and then swallowing and doing it all over again. You could still enjoy your food without 
making it feel like it's a chore because at the end of the day, like for a lot of us, like, especially people like myself, former fatties, (laughs) it like, it feels like a reward to eat and you don't want to take the joy out of that because food is good. It has more than just like a lot of people say, Oh, food is just fuel. It's not just fuel. For some, it could be a break at work and finally a moment to de-stress. For some, it could be like an emotional connection, like to like, I know for me, like when the meatballs break out, I immediately go back to the times with my grandma when she would make meatballs and like, it reminds me of her. So it's like, it gives that little bit of comfort. Like the food is more than just fuel and you don't want to take the enjoyment out of the experience, which is huge because when you do find joy and happiness or just contentment, contentment, is that a word? I think, (laughs) uh, when you find that in your meals and you're able to implement these habits, which will help you eat less. Now you're not only getting the results that you want or getting on your way towards those results. You're also finding the enjoyment, which will make you want to do it more and more and more. So yeah, you want to have fun doing it. Now that we covered the nutrition, because I think we nailed it, sleep, portion sizes, hunger signals, all that stuff. Very important to get down. It's not, oh, before I wrap this section, it's not always like it's all calories or it's all habits. It's everything. It's finding a way to decrease calories by implementing habits so that your behaviors are repeatable and enjoyable. And that is the name of the game. Then when it comes to exercise, that we want to make sure that we don't fall into the trap of what marketers and old school, like people from the 70s and 80s were pushing back in the day because that shit just doesn't work, which is lighter weight, higher reps. That I'm sorry, there's never a case for doing lighter weight, higher reps, unless it's like a rest day and you want to just do something to get a little sweat going. It's just pointless. And if anybody's pushing it at this point, they're either just stupid and ignorant or they're trying to like be um, contrarian and they're trying to sell something. Um, the best way, like, can you lose weight that way? Absolutely. Are you going to burn the most fat that way? Absolutely not. The way to burn the most fat is to do exercises that challenge your body in a way that elicits a response in where you either build muscle or maintain muscle and build or maintain bone mineral density. So the muscle building exercises, like you want to do compound exercises that use a ton of different muscle groups, burn up a a crap ton of calories and cause you to be a little bit sore based on the weight that you use. Um, yeah, the, and the simpler, the better, because these fancy schmancy, like complicated, like coordinated dances with weights that you see on Instagram, don't do shit. All they do is scratch that itch of like, oh, this is different. Oh, this is like, this seems unique. Oh, there's fire emojis. It must, it must burn fat. No, those, I'm sorry. Those are complete crap. And I have, I'll be honest. I have friends that do that, that like do these complicated kettlebell flow patterns saying like 
this is how you do it. And it's just not, it's like, you cannot beat doing a, a workout routine or program that includes squats, some sort of a hinge or deadlift, some sort of a pushing movement, like a push up or a bench press, a rowing movement, like a TRX row or a dumbbell row and some sort of a core or carry exercise where you're doing, you're carrying a heavy weight or you're holding a plank or something like that. You cannot get away from the basics because the basics give you the most bang for your buck and they do the job. <laughs> There's a reason that they're the basics. They stick around forever because they do work. Like we are very fortunate to have hit the nail on the head when it comes to these like baseline patterns that can be loaded and can be improved upon over time. The goal with any workout when it comes to like burning as much fat as possible is sticking to the program for at least six to eight, maybe 10 or 12 weeks and improving on those patterns and using more weight and doing more reps or improving just even just using the exact same weight for the exact same reps and getting better technique wise to the point where you don't have any nagging pains or it's not as hard to complete means that you're building muscle or maintaining muscle or improving your connection with your CNS and your muscles and everything like that, which is all good stuff. That's stuff that you don't get when you change the workout every time, or when you go to a body pump class, or like when you go to the max, like that, that is the lowest form of exercise for burning fat. Sorry, sorry to shit on the max, but I don't like, oh, and while we're on that topic, like doing exercises or like these boot camp classes or the max two where you're jumping and bouncing for like 60 minutes, that's just lazy programming to get you to sweat. It doesn't do anything other than aggravate the hell out of your joints. Uh, so if you're like bouncing around for an hour and you're doing a trial class, just leave. It's not worth it. Your body will thank you. <laughs> just hire a good personal trainer. That's always going to be number one. Get a personal trainer, invest in your health and get them to improve the way that you move and get really, really good at those exercises. Sorry, I went off on a tangent, <laughs> but that's how you do it. So when it comes to exercise, to recap, two to four days in the gym. Yes. I've seen people make incredible progress on just two days. It's mind blowing from somebody that I personally was in the gym like five, six days a week at one point, but doing two to four days a week, hitting every muscle group, doing the basic patterns of squat, hinge, push, pull core or carry. Those are going to get you the most bang for your buck. They're going to take the least amount of time, depending on how you set it up. And yeah, it's going to build muscle, which is going to result in you burning fat. Because when you do these exercises where you're trying to focus on building muscle, like that's going to result in you burning the most fat. Because when you're in a caloric deficit, your body has to get rid of something to use as energy. That's basically how this, that's how this whole thing works is you're not providing your body enough energy to get through the day. So it needs to take it from somewhere. Now, ideally, if you were like just 
doing diet only, like some people want to try and do and figure out it completely sucks. But if you were one of those people that felt that like you just wanted to do diet only and not work out at all, then your body would go for muscle first because muscle is a very, very expensive thing on the body. Like it takes a lot of energy to maintain muscle. That's why like when you see like bodybuilders in the off season or like you see like a teenager that like got in really good shape for football and then took it easy the rest of the year, they look much like they, you could tell they noted, they noticeably lose a ton of muscle and they look fatter, even though they were probably eating the exact same amount of calories or even like less or more, depending on the, the kid or athlete, but your body goes for muscle mass first. And that's why you see like a lot of runners when you see these marathon people, yeah, they're skinny, but they still have like that pouch of, uh, fat around the belly because, when you're running, you don't need that much muscle mass to support the act of running. And eventually you hit that cap where you don't need to build any more muscle. And then it's like, okay, so we'll burn, burn, burn. But eventually you're not going to need to put any muscle on and it takes away from all the fat, but it still keeps a little something, that little pouch, because that's where the body likes to hang on to. And sorry to be the bearer of bad news. But in my experience, the only way to get rid of that pouch, like, you know what I'm talking about, that lower, the lower belly part is to resistance train, because that's the only way that I've ever seen it done for anybody who has gotten rid of that. So resistance training is the name of the game, because as you're building more and more muscle, it will get rid of fat. And then when all that fat's gone, you can then eat more calories and support muscle building so that when you do gain weight, because it's inevitable at the end of any diet, you're going to rebound a little bit of weight. And that's usually glycogen, water, and a couple other things. And that results. Yeah, that sorry, lost the train of thought there. But that is the weight gain when you immediately return to quote unquote normal eating or just eating more in general. But then your body, if it's in a surplus, it's either going to gain fat or muscle. It's going to be like a combination of both. And if you want it to be majority muscle and not majority fat, you got to do resistance training because then your body's going to use that extra, the extra calories to build the muscle instead of adding adipose fat tissue. So many, many reasons to get good at resistance training. Uh, and then at the end of the day, the last thing is what to expect. When, when you do this approach, this first six to eight weeks, and you gain that awareness, you're tracking all your foods, not going into a deficit just yet. You're tracking just to find out where the heck you are. You're starting to work out on a consistent basis, really dialing in those patterns, the basic patterns, um, the squat, the hinge, push, pull core, what you can expect at the end of that six to eight weeks is potentially gaining a little bit of weight, but more like, like that's the minority. Most people maintain the weight and usually look better because they gain muscle and burn fat at the same time. So even though they'll hop on the scale and it'll say the exact same thing as when they started, they'll throw the shirt on and all of a sudden their shirt fits better, or they'll put their pants on and they've lost a bunch of inches. That's very common. 
especially if you were just starting. So if you're like a very new beginner, or if you took a lot of time off of fitness and you just came back, very common for that to happen, or you lose weight. And again, you, if you're just incorporating those workouts for the first time, you're gaining muscle and you're burning fat and even faster rate. So that's the camp a lot of people hope to be in, but from a coach perspective, I'd almost rather them maintain their weight and lose all those inches. Um, just from the standpoint of like, you're at maintenance, which means you can keep riding that and losing those inches and gaining muscle. So you're getting the best of both worlds, even though you're not getting the mental satisfaction of seeing the scale go down from a physiological perspective, you are in the best place possible. Um, yeah, and you're gonna get stronger. You're going to gain more muscle. And on top of all of that, the one resounding thing that you're going to feel regardless of if you gain, maintain, lose weight, um, if you get, when you get stronger, when you gain more muscle, you're, and you're sleeping better, your energy is going to be through the roof. Like you're going to go into work feeling like you can conquer the freaking world. You're going to come home and you're going to feel so much better than you normally do. You're going to like, when you hit the weekend, you're going to be like, oh, I don't even need the recharge because I feel so freaking good. And that's like the biggest thing out of all of this. Like, yeah, it's great seeing the number on the scale. Yeah, it's awesome feeling better in your clothes and like being active and feeling fit. But that energy boost is un-freaking <laughs> <unfrickin> believable. <laughs> I, tried, I tried combining incredible and unbelievable and it didn't come out right. <laughs> But it's unfreaking believable how good it feels to be energized to the point where like you might not even need your morning coffee. I know to some people that's like what, but it I've seen it happen. Like that's the one big benefit of working like previously at a gym that like at one point had three hundred members. I saw a lot of people making insane progress and a lot of stories, and I've seen this done time and time and time again. It's incredible. And you just got to jump on the train. You just got to start with the simple stuff. So if you heard all of this and you listened to my rambling and you made it this far and you're still not sick of hearing my voice, here are a couple action steps that you can take like right now, starting today to get on that train and to get started and get moving in the right direction. First thing is get that sleep down. Okay? If you're not already in the Facebook group, go to the show notes, get in that Facebook group. Today is Friday as I'm recording this. The sleep um, checklist is in the group. So go in there, download it, and get your sleep in check, first and foremost. Second is track what you eat. You don't have to set a calorie goal or anything. Just put it in there just to find out. And then you'd be surprised on certain things that you eat, how crazy high the calories are. It's mind-blowing, especially when you get in the habit of weighing stuff that you need to weigh if it's not like packaged out and easy to figure out. Like if you get a weight scale for like what, 10, 15 bucks off Amazon and really just get a gauge, like you, it'll blow your mind. Um, and then number three is working on those hung hunger signals. Pick one of the two, either 80% full. So we're not eating to completely full just before then every single time or the fork down between bites, or you could combine them and yeah, that'll be even better. So sleep, track, and hunger signals. And then when it comes to working out, 
go to the, go to my YouTube. <laughs> I'll put, um, actually, you know what? I have a sample workout. So for people that are at a gym, I'll put the at gym one. And then I have the at home one that I'm using right now for the 21 day challenge. I'll put both of them because they are unlisted on YouTube. You're only going to be able to see this in the show notes. Um, so I'll put the full gym and at home zero equipment one. So you have something to go off of. If it's something that requires repetitions like squats or push-ups or whatever it is, do 10 reps. Okay. So if it's one arm, do 10 reps each side. If it's push-ups, do 10 reps total or squats, 10 reps total. If it's something like planks, do 30 to 60 seconds. Okay. Just do them one after the other and see how many rounds you can get in. That's a really good place to start. Like three, maybe four rounds is a great place to do, to do day one and then go from there. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't go over five sets. If you're getting to five sets, time to up the weight and it shouldn't take more than like 30 minutes tops. So yeah, sorry, that was a lot. <laughs> I wanted to make it short and actionable, but these are the things that are required. And that's why this process takes six to eight weeks just to get the foundation down, let alone the fat loss phase, which is next week, what we will be talking about. Um, we'll expand a little bit and talk about other habits that help a lot. So definitely tune in for part two, which is going to come out on Wednesday. Wednesday, the, oh God, oh, I, I barely know what tomorrow is. <laughs> Wednesday, the 19th? Nope. Yes. Wednesday the 19th is when part two is going to be out. So I hope to see you there. Until then, go kick some ass and have a great rest of your Monday and Tuesday. I will see you guys next time.